Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. You guys always hear from the most negative fans. I, the fans I talk to never come up to and say, Rick, this is the start of just the same stuff as last year. But they seem to seek you guys out in the comment sections. How about that? Uh, imagine that. Any event. Uh, I get, I understand the, the pessimism. Uh, in fact, we talked about that going back to the spring trainer of the offseason, that there's going to be a level of uh, prove it over the course of this summer, not simply from a health standpoint, but from a performance standpoint, a competitiveness standpoint, approach on the field, attitude, preparation, all that stuff we knew uh, we were going to have to show that we were making market improvement over where we were. The injuries thus far have certainly been frustrating. Uh, I think if you get a little too myopically focused on the White Sox, it's certainly easy to say, oh, woe is us. But if you take a little broader view and you look around the league, it's everywhere. The premier baseball show in Chicago, Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel. Not goodbye. We're just getting rolling. Starting off the second hour of our three-hour extravaganza this morning. Now it's a radio show because Paul Sullivan is on it. Paul Sullivan, the baseball Bigfoot for the Chicago Tribune, joins us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Hello, Sully. How are you, sir? Good morning, Maddie. I thought that guy would never shut up, that last caller. <laughs> oh, Rick Hahn? Uh, I think you, Rick- should, you should know, not Rick Hahn. Oh, Ben from Queens. <laughs> Ben from Queens. Ben from Queens. <laughs> Man, get, get a show, Ben from Queens. Yeah, uh, yeah. We don't need to hear every every opinion on every matter, Howie Rose, whatever. I, come on. Yeah, you know, I almost. I tell I, your producer, you need a dump button for those guys. I almost shut him down when he started talking about Howie Rose, but I knew that there was good stuff coming. Ben is like, you know, <laughs> like he just throws everything at the wall and he hopes, uh, hopes a couple of things stick, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, well. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't help myself, Sully. It, it came across my mind. I wasn't originally going to talk about it, but then Uh-oh. I did um, at about 9.30. I don't know if people caught it or not, but it's just like the, the choice of Gold Digger by Mike Clevenger at, <laughs> at, at guaranteed rate the other night. And then his, his, his comment after, which, which you uh, put in your, in your column, it was, it was James Fegan who asked the question, right? Ja- yeah. It, it was yeah. James Fegan who said, um, why'd you come out with Gold Digger? And he was asked about the selection, and Mike Clevenger said, quote, are you a music producer? No? Okay. Well, if you have a baseball question, I'm here for you. Um, I have no other choice than to take it. Uh, as what it appears to be, which is a really gross and vindictive choice to spike the ball on a alleged victim of domestic abuse that the White Sox either empowered or simply allowed through mismanagement and oversight, right? I mean, that's how I have to take that at this point. Oh, yeah. He definitely seems pretty obvious that he was doing that for a reason. He's a very immature person, as I think we've all discovered at this point, uh, you know, a smart person would have just let it go and, uh, you know, moved on and maybe breathed a sigh of relief that, uh, you know, he, he got out of this investigation uh, unscathed. But no, it's, you know, because no one's been asking about it, about this thing since then. It, it's pretty much over with. But uh, then he had to do it again his first game as a starter at Sox Park and, uh, you know, he should just own it, but you know, once again, we're dealing with a different kind of person and he's not going to own it. So he's just going to leave it out there. And I mean, can you prove that that's the reason that he 
played that song was to dig at his uh, ex, you can't. So you just can speculate, and I don't know what goes on in his mind or, or what's left of his mind, but, uh, you know, it, it's just kind of immature, to say the least. Paul, you've been around for a lot of different PR staffs, a lot of different front offices on both sides of town trying to deal with volatile and, and immature players. Um, and it, it, is there... It, it, is there more that can be done by a team or an organization than just kind of allowing the person to have the confidence they need, allowing the person to express themselves? Is, is there more that the White Sox could have done in this situation? Well, yeah, they could, they could have said, no, pick a new song. But uh, that would be saying no to a baseball player. And I don't ever see that happening anymore. That's kind of like old school to tell a baseball player no. Um He's totally enabled now. He's He's got his guaranteed contract. There's nothing you can do. And actually, he's. it turns out he's one of their better starters, at least at the start of the season. So I'm sure he feels more empowered by that, um, which could be good if they wanted to trade him at the at the deadline. But uh, I don't know if, you know, when, when he does stuff like this, and, it, and he definitely knew it was going to get out there uh, one way or another, maybe not as quickly as it did, but he knew that he would get Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Reaction out of it, and he knew it would go uh, on Twitter and on the Internet. So he knew what he was doing, and other teams see this, and, you know, maybe he'll be pitching in Japan next year, like Bauer, who knows, but... Uh, it just, I don't know. It was just a bad, stupid incident, and uh, hopefully he wises up and doesn't do it again, but I wouldn't count on that. There was a 0% chance that we were going to be talking about this, that anybody in town would be talking about Clevenger no. and that whole situation until he did that. A 0%, 0% he had a good chance. outing. He pitched well. He's yes. pitched well so far, and uh, he's really interesting to watch. Uh, he's got that crazy, you know, really – funky delivery and uh you know it's i don't know i just don't know why he felt the need to do that maybe there's just something in his brain that uh, he just can't help himself but uh yeah the white Sox could have told him no don't pick that song do something else but uh you know the white Sox did not so here we are so here we are what a shame what a shame um let, let's move on to the team itself uh, a caller had wanted me to ask you about rick hans defensiveness or I, I think that's <laughs> yeah, the way you hear that the, the, yeah. the, the way that he put it. Do you read it like that? Does it bother no, you at all? Um, honestly, it, we, we have like one of those moments with Rick. I think every press conference I've gone to in the dugout, uh, at least in the last year since they've been taking a downturn um, mm-hmm. because they're very sensitive to Twitter and what's, what's said about them. And uh and of course, you know the the beat writers are going to bring up uh, the bad things that happen, and uh, so I think he was kind of just joking around that. Oh my gosh, you guys, no one says these things to me, you know. And 
I, you know, maybe there's no Sox fans in the Winnetka Starbucks. I don't know. I don't know who he, he's talking to in his off time. But uh, <laughs> certainly you and I and anyone else that has anything to do with baseball hears from Sox fans all the time. And, and they're pretty ticked off, to say the least, especially after all the spring training talk about how what a regimented, you know, structured team this is under Pedro and yeah. things are going to be different. And, you know, we're seeing the same stupid mistakes, uh, bad defensive plays. Uh, even yesterday, Colas uh, airmailed the ball to the infield. Yep. That, that, that It wasn't an error or anything, but it was just the kind of play that you're like, come on, you know. Yes. And uh, stuff like that, just a little stuff like that. Um, the other day, Sosa didn't cover second base on a double. You know, uh, it just – it's just maddening. It, it really is. Um, two things. First of all, I can't tell you the amount of foot traffic you've just driven to the Winnetka Starbucks, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> it could be the Wilmette Starbucks. I'm not really sure on that. I, I, I don't know what Starbucks he goes to. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know where he lives, but uh, and, and I'm sure yeah. I'm sure there's not just one in each of those. I don't want to. I don't want a lawsuit <laughs> against me or the score because I <laughs> pointed out the wrong uh, Starbucks. Hey, but, we've, uh, we've been threatened before. It's okay. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm just making a point that I don't know how many Sox fans that he runs into on a daily basis outside of Sox Park. Yeah, that's fair. That, that that's fair. But um, the the, the yeah no. That the play where you're talking about where Colas airmails the throw, it's just so funny because yeah. you're right, it doesn't matter. But even as you watched it, I don't know if you caught there were two infielders backing up the throw because <laughs> they knew like it was so <laughs> sloppy. Like Andrus was over there because I think it was yeah. Sosa, he airmails, and Andrus is over there with Berger. Whether Andrus's instinct was like, boy, I don't trust Jake to back up this throw, so I have to do. It was just like, yeah. it's just such a slop fest sometimes. It's so it's so yeah. disappointing. And it's early. You know, hopefully they'll clean it up. But yeah. it's just disappointing because I think when they came out of spring training, uh, the fans I talked to were, you know, pretty upbeat about uh, the way things went. And, you know, um, Pedro uh, is a good guy. Seems like a, a smart, you know, fundamentals-oriented manager. And mm-hmm. I thought they thought that stuff would be cleaned up. But, you know, maybe it's not the manager at this point. Well, well but, but also maybe it takes more than just, you know, one spring training, you know? Yeah. It, take, it yeah. takes some real time. It's a long season. Like, the, these first couple of months is a big stretch for Pedro. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. like you are trying to hold players accountable. I, I just I, – I wish he had the depth – where he could sit guys down every once in a while. Go ahead. You know, what What? what happened to benching? Good job, A.J. Hinch, taking out Javi Baez the other day. I mean, sometimes you need sometimes you need to do that. It changed Andrew Jones' career in Atlanta. Yeah, but no one ever does that. I don't expect he's going to do that. I mean, uh, I mean the, you know, Javi gets that happens to him every once every year, and then he acts like it's never happened, and then he wakes up and has a good game the next game. Yeah. But uh, Pedro is – me and you know I don't know him that well but he's very defensive about any questions about uh, what he's going to do or any mistakes that are made so uh, you know he's growing into his job I hope he lightens up he doesn't need to start out the press conferences with a description of the game we we just saw the game we know what happened just go straight to the questions I think that would be my advice to him. Uh, yeah, well, that's interesting because you know every manager does it differently, and when you haven't done it, like he hasn't, and maybe that will be um, an adjustment that he makes. Um, let's flip sides for a minute. I don't know if you were if you stayed up late and, and saw the ninth last night. Um, I did. Yeah. Yeah. The good news is these days that the ninth usually. It's only about two and a half hours after the start of the game. It's pretty neat. Like that White Sox game yeah, yesterday. Half the stadium was gone. Yeah, well. That's <laughs> you know, a, that, all the seats were empty. It was like, wow. That's, that's, I mean, one nothing game and everyone leaves. That's, but, a, that's yeah. L.A., you know. Yeah. Uh, one nothing. it's out of hand. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I really think that was kind of a no-brainer for Ross to – to to in, instruct Fulmer to go ahead and intentionally walk Peralta yeah, just to get yeah. to Barnes, and I guess they decided to try and pitch around him, and 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 it doesn't work. But I was looking at this; it was from a, it was from your your column, I think the one that you and Lamont Pope wrote a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this from mm-hmm. David Ross quote. I may have my reasons for doing things that may not align with others, comma, but those are my reasons. And the good thing about being the manager is I get to make those decisions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that quote. 
yeah. because uh, screw, yeah, cause screw us. After his, uh, the Cincy thing, it was shortly after the Cincy thing where he uh, had Patrick Wisdom bunt and he got all the grief for that. Yeah. I think, I mean, I haven't really perused the Twitter this morning, but I assume he's getting a lot of grief for last night. Yeah, a lot, um, a lot of grief for last night. He said um, – he said that we're not exactly sure what Will Smith is. Like, he wasn't sure whether Will Smith could have come in. And that's the kind of stuff that, that I guess we don't know till after the game. After the game, it became very evident that Will Smith was not going to play, was not going anywhere near that yeah. game. But it, e- either way. Um, well, I was wondering, they didn't even seem to, like, broach the subject of what his, that, you know, um, Boog and uh, Sutcliffe is kind of like, you know, if, if Stoney was there, he would have said, okay, here's who's pinch hitters. Here's, you know, your option. You could walk him here. It didn't seem like they that came up and then it was quickly over. So uh, yeah. uh, that's where you need a Steve Stone to uh, explain things. What did you think of, um, what did you think of the in-hap extension as now paired with the Nico Horner extension and, and what, what, what they're trying to do uh, up on that side? Uh, I was pretty shocked at that. Uh, I thought that, you know, they have these guys in their system that are coming up. Brendan Davis, I thought would be in left field, uh, and that Pete Crow Armstrong would be in center. And obviously you have Suzuki signed for a few years and right. So I don't know what this does for Brendan Davis. Um, you know, he was your top prospect at one point. Um, maybe they've given up on him. Uh, I, I felt good for Hap. I mean, he's a good player. Uh, I thought a three-year deal was uh, shocking to me that he would take it because he could have gotten more on the open market, but uh, he obviously loves Chicago. Um, and it does signal this is, you know, this is the way if you want to stay with the Cubs, this is kind of the kind of the deal you're going to have to take is a short term one. I don't know if that's going to be good for the long run because, you know, most teams are giving out seven, eight deals, seven, eight year deals to superstars now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of against the uh, grain, but uh I don't know. We'll see what he does. Uh, he didn't look very good in the eighth inning on that strikeout. I'll say that that was that was not uh, that was not one of his better bats. Uh, but uh, you know, overall, I think it was a decent deal. I just worry about Brandon Davis. Are they giving up on him, or what's the deal? You don't really need him now. You know, I I think that's true. I think that's true. So that might that might be trade bait. Um, I mean. Pete Crow Armstrong long term, but short term, yeah. you, you might. Well, he'll be in center for long term for sure. You, you, you would, you would Don't think. You think. Yeah, you, you would, yeah. you would think. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I think Hap has really impressed them over the last year and change in terms of yeah. what he's been able to do offensively. But I, I, I yeah, I, and he's a switch hitter. He's yep. a great guy. Yep. Everyone likes him, so mm-hmm. there's no problem there. Good for the clubhouse. One of the leaders, right. Um, maybe say uh, like they could be part of your your rotating. Look, if your rotating DH mix eventually includes guys who can play the corners very well, that would be yeah. good. That would be good roster construction. Uh, you know, yeah. as opposed to the 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 Mancini's and and Hosmers of the world who are on short who are on short deals and probably won't be here when PCA and or Brennan are up. Right. Yeah, I, I wonder what they're going to do with third now too because. You know, wisdom is is much better this year. You know, it's a short sample size, but he's cutting down on the strikeouts. Yeah, he's still hitting home runs, and you know, if that keeps up, if he can be a, you know, a thirty home run hitter, and you know, he's always going to strike out, but if he can limit his strikeouts, you know, you're going to have to pay him too. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's a lot of uh, problems for Jed, but uh, I think people are. At least the Cub fans I talk to are, are pretty enthused about uh, the way it started. I think they are. Um, Sully, every Jackie Robinson day, um, I think about and and make a point to share Mike Royko's column from October oh, yeah. of 1972 uh, that he yeah. wrote about Jackie's first game at Wrigley Field May 18th of 1947, where Mike was there. Mike was there, and it's just it, it's it's about so much more than the game. Obviously, you remember you remember that oh, piece. Yeah. And for those oh, who don't yeah. know, Sully beautiful. Sully used yeah. to work for 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 Royko. You were Royko's bag man. Is that the right thing? Not, <laughs> not bag man. What do we yeah, call it? I was his bag man. I'd go to the city council and deliver some money. Uh, no, I was his <laughs> leg man. Oh, leg man! Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Close. <laughs> bag man. 
<laughs> oh, his yeah, leg man. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. leg man meant that you'd go out and do and do the research for do him. Do the leg work. Yes. The leg work. That yeah. was where that term comes from. Uh, and then eventually there were so many women that did the job. He would have one person as his leg man. And as it turned out, there was a lot of women that did it. So they called themselves leg creatures uh, just to <laughs> pimp him. <laughs> Uh, you know, just to kind of throw it in his face. And he, he enjoyed that too. So, cause he had a good sense of humor, obviously. Yeah. It's but, uh, yeah I, I, I did a lot of a uh, legwork for Mike Royko for a couple of years and, uh, it was a great experience that, uh, I'll never forget if I can only remember it. <laughs> well, um, one, one of these days I want to take you out and, uh, tip a few beverages and try to make you remember it. <laughs> Yeah, well, read that column he did on uh, Jackie Robinson Day. And also, if you can find his column when Harold Washington was elected mayor, is a classic, too, because uh, everyone was all upset about that. And obviously, he was one of the better mayors in Chicago history, you yeah. know. And people, you know, worried about Brandon Johnson uh, should should read that column, too. That's, uh, that's good stuff. Thank you, Paul Sullivan. Appreciate you very much. Have a great day. Okay, thanks, Matt. You got it. That's Paul Sullivan from the Chicago Tribune. I'll give you a little bit of that column from Mike Royko when we come back. And um, a couple other things uh, about Jackie Robinson Day yesterday around baseball I want to get to. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. The premier baseball show in Chicago. Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel. Yeah, they saw it. And then every year on the 15th of April, it's Jackie Robinson Day. Everybody wears 42, and there are no names on the jerseys, and nobody understands who the hell anybody is as you're watching TV. Hey, who's that? I don't know. Is that Freeman or Muncie? Well, Muncie's a little thicker, okay? You know, you're trying to, trying to figure it all out. But, man, there was some really cool stuff uh, yesterday. Uh, I mentioned the Mike Royko column, which is an incredible, incredible piece. I, I'll share it on Twitter. But if I were to summarize the wise men here, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this. All that Saturday, the wise men of the neighborhood who sat in chairs on the sidewalk outside the tavern had talked about what it would do to baseball. I hung around and listened because baseball was about the most important thing in the world. And if anything was going to ruin it, I was worried. Most of the things they said I didn't understand, although it all sounded terrible. But could one man bring such ruin? So it's the wise men of the neighborhood saying that Jackie Robinson was going to ruin baseball. And Mike Royko, young Mike Royko, the legendary columnist, got to Wrigley that day. He went, and the crowd was enormous. 47,000 people at Wrigley Field. In 1947, few blacks were seen in the loop, much less up on the white north side at a Cub game. That day, they came by the thousands, pouring off the northbound L's and out of their cars. They didn't wear baseball game clothes. They had on church clothes, funeral clothes suits, white shirts, ties, gleaming shoes, straw hats. I've never seen so many straw hats. And he talks about the reverence with which all these people are watching Jackie Robinson. And it was a beautiful day. He said he caught a foul ball. He caught a foul ball and it got into his hands. It got into Mike Royko's hands. And he had it. And a voice behind him said, would you consider selling that? And it was a black man who had been applauding so fiercely. I'll give you $10 for it. $10. I couldn't believe it. I didn't know what $10 could buy because I'd never had that much money. But I knew that a lot of men in the neighborhood considered $60 to a week to be good pay. I handed it to him, and he paid me with 10 $1 bills. When I left the ballpark with that much money in my pocket, I was sure that Jackie Robinson wasn't bad for the game. It's, just, it's such a great piece and such a, a, a visceral, beautiful memory. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's... It's really cool that baseball does this. There was a great moment yesterday where outside Dodger Stadium, 
the Dodgers and the Cubs got together because, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers, and David Ross, the manager of the Cubs, are good friends, former teammates. So they all gathered together, the two teams did, and Jason Hayward, who you know and whose heart I think you know if you've been paying attention at all to his Cubs career, spoke to both teams in front of the Jackie Robinson statue yesterday there in front of Dodger Stadium. Hard enough to play when you got things bugging you, whether it's injuries, um, you know, whatever, late flight, you know, double-headers, this and that, you know, media, all these kind of things that can distract us from just wanting to go out there as a hitter, get your foot down when you want to, picture, you know, focus, like plug in on a pitch on a big stage. But to me, um, you know, obviously didn't get to play with him personally and, and hear his story and hear his everyday grind. But to me, he made um, no excuse and took it as something that he wanted to get this done. He wanted to see this mission through to let all of us stand here today and enjoy and celebrate. So I just want to say much respect to everyone for being here and acknowledging that. Uh, again, you know, thank you for asking me to speak, Dodgers, um, teammates, former teammates, you know, colleagues. You know, much love, much respect, and, and keep going. Work's not done. Thank you. Jason Hayward speaking to both Cubs and Dodgers players out front of Dodger Stadium yesterday. Pretty cool. Um, one more thing on Jackie that I hadn't known about until uh, my boss sent me the article from MLB.com the other day. You guys know Carly Simon, the, uh, the rock and folk singer of the 70s and 80s and beyond. Anticipation is making me wait and you're so vain. Um, she is the daughter of the... Publishing scion Richard Simon from Simon and Schuster. And when Jackie Robinson and his wife Rachel had already had, I think it was three kids at the time, they were looking for a house when Jackie was playing for the Brooklyn Dodgers and they couldn't find one. And eventually someone wrote an article about their difficulties in finding a house. And Rachel said that, you know, at least racism in the South, you knew where you stood, but racism in the North was people pretending that everything was fine and then subtly taking a house off the market once they found that you were interested. Stuff like that. Refusing to give you a tour of a house that was listed. So they couldn't find a house. And uh, Carly Simon's mother saw this news story and somehow got in touch with Rachel Robinson and said, come to Connecticut and meet with me. And they met and um, Mrs. Simon said, I'm going to help you build your house if that's what you want to do up here. They had plenty of money. Think about this. He's a big league ball player making a lot of money. And so she arranged that they were able to hire an architect and go through the Chamber of Commerce and build their dream home in Stamford, Connecticut, where Jackie and Rachel Robinson and their kids would move. But while they were building that home, they didn't have a place to stay. So they stayed at the home of Richard Simon and his wife, And young Carly Simon at age 10 was among kids in her family to mingle with Jackie Robinson's kids and learn baseball in the backyard. And Jackie would would hit them fly balls with a tennis racket and a tennis ball and teach them how to how to catch fly balls and stuff. And she loved him. Carly, young Carly Simon loved him. He loved her. She would go to uh, Brooklyn Dodger games and they made her a special Dodgers jacket um, it's just really cool. And, and eventually their house was ready and they moved into their house and, and they stayed, the family stayed friends forever. When Carly Simon's mother passed away, Rachel Robinson said, we were more than friends. We were sisters. And I just thought that was really cool. And it made me think about, I don't know, the kind of, the kind of things that it, that it takes to just go ahead and, and help, um, a family, and help somebody who you think might not need any help anymore. Yeah, no, Jackie needed all kinds of help, and that family needed all kinds of help. Carly Simon recorded Take Me Out to the Ball Game. It was used on Ken Burden's baseball. We'll play a little of that right now as we head out towards a break. Chris Kamka from NBC Sports Chicago will join us in just a little bit as we get Cam connected here on The Score. the crowd buy me some peanuts and crackers 
jacks I don't care if I ever get back Cause it's root, root, root for the home team If they don't win, it's a shame Cause it's one, two, three Baseball is back And so is MLB.tv Watch every out-of-market, regular season game On your favorite streaming devices Anywhere, anytime, all season long Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. He strikes your out at the old Every Sunday morning on Hit and Run, right here on 670 The Score, we try to get ourselves cam-connected. Chris Kamka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago, joins us right now on the Circa Resort Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Chris, what do you say, man? How are you? I'm all right. Uh, trying to stay warm. It's a kind of windy, kind of ugly day here at the park, but feel good we're going to get a game in today yeah it's a strange strange chicago weekend as is the thing but you will get a game in today hey we got to talk about something first of all i don't know how i've missed this that you hate it as much as you do because i actually really like it and i know that we need to discuss the ludicrous ghost runner rule is what chris kamka tweeted about the game where the Twins won against the White Sox on just one pitch. Ludicrous? You say it's ludicrous, sir? Explain yourself. Tell me why you think it's Sure ludicrous. do. Sure yeah. do. Yeah. Look, I mean, there's a magic base runner on second. In my world, the base runner has to earn his way on base. And and everything needs to be accounted for. And just starting a, an inning with somebody on second base, there's, it's not accounted for. And everything has to add up, and it doesn't work. Ah. And, and besides... A walk-off, I mean, a, a two-run leadoff home run is a ridiculous thing. It should not ever happen. <laughs> second of all, if you make the last out, you get you get to be on second base. So you, so you are rewarded by making the last out uh-huh. with the opportunity to score the winning run. Uh-huh. That's nonsense. Okay. All right. So I understand from the statistician's perspective very much. I get that. I, I, I mean, for me, from, like, the entertainment perspective – and from the, um, you, you know, the, the, the fungibility of pitchers perspective, I get it. And I like the instant strategy that provides. I find it to be entertaining and, and worthwhile in that way. Um, but I understand. So statistically, it, it drives you batty. I wonder what you would do, Kamka, if you were an NBA statistician with these play-in games where the numbers don't even get saved. They're not, they don't mean anything. Did you catch that? That's gross. That shouldn't be either. Uh, I mean, and besides, besides what I said before, this robs us of more games that are like goofy 15, 16, 17 inning games or pitchers are out of, or managers are out of pitchers and they have to figure something out. I love it when managers have to figure stuff out on the fly. Well, I, I like to see what they come up with. Oh, man. See, here's the thing, though. Those games, especially in the playoffs, devolve into everyone swinging for home run or nothing. And I don't think that's good baseball. I don't agree. Like, I, I, I know there is romance. Like, I stayed up until 2.30 in the morning and I watched all 24 innings of the Rick Camp game or whatever the hell you did. But, you know, I mean, it, I don't need that to uh, show my baseball fan credibility. And I don't think it's actually that entertaining when it happens well, like that. I'm one of those people. And I'm sure that, like, if I were to say that, in the TV truck, I would get bombarded with whatever they could throw at me. Um, <laughs> because, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, all right. Um, all right, sir, you give me what you got. I have scanned your Twitter feed as I always do. And I have found things I like to discuss, but Chris Kampka brings us a white Sox thing and a Cubs thing every week. And it's, it's always thoughtful. So hit me, sir. Okay. So we'll start with Cubs. Would you like Jan Gomes or would you like seven run comebacks? Oh, you know what? Uh, give me the seven-run comeback because I haven't mentioned yet. Poor, okay. poor Nelson Velasquez. 
You know, show up for a couple of days, hit a grand slam as part of a massive, incredible comeback from last week, and then get sent down when Brandon Hughes, the lefty pitcher, is, is healthy. It's uh, it's tough to be Nelson Velasquez, but go ahead. No, that's not fair. No, I agree. Right. Um, but let me ask you this. What do Seahawks and Mariners have in common? <laughs> <laughs> I'll answer this for you. Thank you. Um, both, both of those groups of things can say that the last time – they took a seven-run lead against Chicago. They lost the game. Uh, oh, really? Um, because the the Seahawks took a seven-to-nothing lead against the Bears on December twenty-six, twenty twenty-one, and the Bears won twenty-five twenty-four. <laughs> that's the and, Nick. That's the Nick Foles. That's a Nick Foles game. Which Nick Foles game? Which one? Is it, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and and of course the Cubs fell behind seven nothing and won fourteen to nine. Yes, it is did. the first time the Cubs overcame a seven run deficit and won by at least five since June thirtieth, nineteen twenty nine, wow. when they trailed the Cardinals eight to one and won fourteen to eight. Wow! Yeah, I mean that, that was a crazy, crazy moment um, from this baseball week, and the fact that Jed Hoyer was up in the booth with the TV guys. Was made it made it really really cool. Um, all right, give me the Jan Gomes bonus. Give me the Jan Gomes bonus, sir. Well, of course, Jan Gomes, the only Cubs catcher since 1901 to hit two homers and steal a base in the same game, <laughs> um, which which is crazy. Um, he, he's only only 78 times in Cubs history as a catcher had a multi-homer game, 74 of them since 1901. The four before that came before 1886 when the stolen base was, became an official stat. <laughs> so you can't even mark that. So you, you know, we, we're not even going to talk about when Silver Flint in 1882 hit two homers in a game as a catcher for the Cubs. Well, um, I'm, <laughs> bummed, I'm bummed that we're not going to talk about that because Silver Flint would be a fun name to say. So... I'm yeah, given his name because of his hair color, of course. Yes, they don't have hair. They don't have names like that anymore, do they? <laughs> I don't. I don't believe they do. Yeah, crazy game for Jan Gomes the other night with the two homers and a steal. That's awesome. First Cubs catcher since 1901. With, At least, uh, yes. Probably. Well, actually, I can say it's the, the first catcher in Cubs history to it because I looked I looked at the ones before 1901 and like I said, all four of them were before the stolen base became an official stat. Mm. So they they weren't even counting them. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, now give me give me go to the socks. Go to those white socks there, Kampka, sir. How can we not go Jake Berger today, huh? Oh, it, I mean, it, it it's amazing. Everything that dude hits when he hits, he hits very very hard. He mashes, and I love watching it. First five hits this year were all extra base hits, and no White Sox player has done that since two thousand one. The big hurt, Frank Thomas. And anytime you could do something that the greatest history, this greatest hitter this city has ever seen has done. It's a good thing. Yeah, that's um, that's amazing. Furthermore, if you take minimum of 15 at-bats, he is a 1,000 slugging percentage and second only Adam Duvall, who unfortunately got hurt. Um, but let's take a look at guaranteed rate field here where he hits hard here. And, and White Sox desperately need power in this ballpark. Um, if you take a look at everybody with minimum 100 at-bats in the history of this ballpark, um, Jake Berger's second to only Jason Kubel and White Sox fans know <laughs> that guy was a Sox killer. Um, it goes Kubel, Berger, Frank Thomas, Gavin Sheets are the top four, all over 600 slugging percentage. Of course, Mike Trout's sitting at 99 at bats and he has 647 slugging. So he'll probably overtake the lead in his next at bat. But for the time being, Jake Berger's 623 slugging percentage at Garrett Rateed rate field is second best with anyone with at least 100 at bats. Yeah, small threshold, I know, but sometimes you got to, you know, let's have fun with it. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. That that's amazing. Um it it's a, it's a frustrating team at times, a frustrating lineup at times, but that dude, he can't go anywhere. When Mancata comes back, I think I mean the the fact that you need home runs, I don't know whether it means that the Hanser Alberto era comes to an end or the Gavin Sheets thing goes down to the minors for a little bit, but I don't think Jake no. can go anywhere. No, you, you got to figure a way to get his bat in the lineup every day. I mean, you got to, you got to just, you know, resist that whole lefty righty thing. Just throw it out the window right now. Get yeah. the hot bats in the lineup. Well, he, and Jake Berger is that he will need a chance. Chris Kamka, you're the best man. Enjoy the ball game and hope you get it in. Thank you, sir. We'll do. All right. He is the best. I love that guy.
his passion matches mine. Um, even though we might be passionate about different things. A couple minutes here to take your phone calls before we reset some things at the top of the hour. Greg in Waukegan has been patient and wanting to talk White Sox. Greg, thanks for hanging on. You are on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Hey, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. I tell you, I love your show. Thank you, Greg. And it's worth, and it's worth it. Um, what I want to talk about as far as the White Sox go is every year this is what happens. This is what I see. 13 for 13 in stolen bases, the first couple series. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, they stop running. Um, example, yesterday, first and third, one out. Um, Vaughn at the plate, you got Lewis Roberts on first base. Automatically should be still in that base, that second base, because you already know, if he hits it on the ground, it's a double play. Hit it on the ground, double play, we lose a run. Mm. Every year, it seems, and I know Tim Anderson is hurt, Every year they, they they go through the same hurt thing, same people, uh, but they just stop running. And all these other teams continue to run, uh, Baltimore, uh, Cleveland. We stopped running after the first couple weeks of the season for some reason. I don't know what it is. I've just, it, you know, we're not hitting a, whole, a lot of home runs. So if you're not running and generating runs that way, then you're not – you're not going to be winning a whole bunch of games, especially the way we're walking people. So hey, Greg, I want to get your take on that. Hey, huh? Greg, you know what's interesting? I, I I hadn't even realized it, but you're you're a thousand percent correct. They have stolen 13 bases on the year. They've been caught zero times. The last seven days, not a single stolen base attempt for the White Sox. Not not a single one. There are the the success rate these days for the stolen base is at 81%. It is at an outrageous clip right now. Attempts are up, but the 81% last year was 76%. It's crazy higher because of the bases being closer together and because of the disengagement rules. So keep taking advantage of, of the rules. You are 100% correct. Thank you very much. I, and that's just my observation. And it's every year they do this. Every year. <laughs> they started off the same last year. Stealing out of Tim Anderson started off stealing a whole bunch of bases. By the end of the year, the guy has 15, 16 stolen bases instead of 30 or 40. Well, this is a year, and thank you for the call, Greg. This is a year where your stolen base leader is probably going to be in like the 80s. I mean, seriously, because of, uh, of the rules and where we are, and you know who leads the majors in stolen base? In stolen bases, I like to do leaders on this show. You know, who leads the majors in stolen bases? This is fun. Come on, Sean. I'm staring right at you. I want to say the Tampa Bay Rays, but I feel like no, I'm I, I'm, now I'm looking for individual player. Oh. I'm staring right at you because the hat you are wearing. It's, it's Nico Horner. Then. Nico I thought Horner, you were talking about team. Yeah. Nico Horner has eight stolen bases. He's tied with Cedric Mullins of the Orioles to lead the majors in stolen bases. It's been taken every one, too. Every one that can possibly be taken He's taken. He has not yet been caught stealing. This is Will on the north side, who has been patient, and I appreciate it. Will, you're on Hit and Run this morning. How are you? Hey, Matt. Last year, I called you, and we talked about the importance of African Americans in baseball. And I talked to you about the importance of that that imagery for the black community. Mm -hmm. And I know it's important to talk about Jackie Robinson. And I'm a little tired right now, and I'm actually a little hurt, because we're not talking about right now how few black baseball players there are in baseball, and not just the players, in upper management, in coaching, in, in general managers. We, I'm, what's the point of talking about Jackie Robinson if the numbers are worse today than there were when I started watching baseball in 1969 and 1970? I've never seen a Cubs team with no starting African-American baseball players in 52 years hmm. of watching the Cubs team. Hey, Will, let, 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 let's talk for a second. I appreciate the call, and I appreciate the sentiment. Um, how much of it is – I mean, this has obviously been discussed a lot. How much of it is systemic issues in baseball that are keeping it from happening, and how much of it is a lack of involvement uh, in youth baseball and um, a, a lack of young African-Americans choosing baseball? How much, is, how much are those things at play, do you think? First, I teach this on a university level. And it's easy to believe that it comes from a cultural lack of interest. This is a systemic problem. 
that comes from baseball managers, baseball owners who believe it's a cultural problem. Hmm. This is a problem when owners and the organization doesn't do enough to perpetuate its interest. They don't do enough to put out there the interest of its own team. They don't put enough out there. They don't do enough to make it interesting to the kids to believe in it. If you don't have people who to, to look at, why are kids going to say, I want to do that? Yeah. If you're not promoting the Tim Andersons, if, you're not promo- if they're not there, who's, who, who are they going to say, I want to do that? Well, look at the basketball players and they say, I want to be like that. They look at the football players and they say, I uh want to be like that. Uh They look at the Brandon Johnsons on the score this week. There have been some of the greatest interviews I have ever heard. Yeah, do you hear hear Sherman Dilla Thomas with me and Bernsey the other day on Friday? Some of the greatest interviews I have ever heard. You guys need to put some of those interviews up for awards. Mm -hmm. That makes people say, hey, we can look at this. I can play that in my classes. I can say this is a great example. If we don't have those examples, how can it be perpetuated? How can it, we can say this is the great example? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Of course I do. Of course I do. You know, I spoke with um, the Seattle Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims the other day for a project I'm doing that I'll, I'll talk about later on in the baseball season. But he told me, um, for those who don't know, he's the only black full-time television broadcaster, um, play-by-play guy. And he, he told me that he always, he always seeks out young broadcasters. And he does, he does some work in trying to foster young African-American broadcasters. Um, and, and so that's been on my mind this week. Um, but I, listen, Will, I appreciate the conversation. I didn't know you're an educator. Let's, uh, we're going to keep your number and let's get back in touch for, for a later show. And talk about it more because I hear you. I, 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 like so many others, romanticize the past. And I enjoyed talking about Jackie and sharing those Jackie stories. But I very much hear you that bringing it current and, um, and trying to build something uh, in a current baseball landscape is vitally important. Thanks for the call. It is Matt Spiegeler with you on Hit and Run. We'll continue to take your phone calls all next hour if you'd like. We're here until noon. Um, Aram Layton will talk prospects with us at 1120. Your phone calls all morning long at 312-644-6767. This is the score. Dodgers and the Cubs got together because, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers, and David Ross, the manager of the Cubs, are good friends, former teammates. So they all gathered together, the two teams did, and Jason Hayward, who you know and whose heart I think you know if you've been paying attention at all to his Cubs career, spoke to both teams in front of the Jackie Robinson statue yesterday there in front of Dodger Stadium. Hard enough to play when you got things bugging you, whether it's injuries, um, you know, whatever, late flight, you know, double headers, this and that, you know, media, all these kind of things that can distract us from just wanting to go out there as a hitter, get your foot down when you want to, picture, you know, focus like it's plugging on a pitch on a big stage. But to me, um, you know, obviously didn't get to play with him personally and, and hear his story and hear his everyday grind. But to me, he made um, no excuse and took it as something that he wanted to get this done. He wanted to see this mission through to let all of us stand here today and enjoy and celebrate. So I just want to say much respect to everyone for being here and acknowledging that. Uh, Again, thank you for asking me to speak, Dodgers, um, teammates, former teammates, colleagues. Much love, much respect, and and keep going. Work's not done. Thank you. Jason Hayward speaking to both Cubs and Dodgers players out front of Dodger Stadium yesterday. Pretty cool. Um, one more thing on Jackie that I hadn't known about until uh, my boss sent me the article from MLB.com the other day. You guys know Carly Simon, the, uh, the rock and folk singer of the 70s and 80s and beyond. Anticipation is making me wait and you're so vain. Um, she is the daughter of the publishing scion Richard Simon from Simon and Schuster. And when Jackie Robinson and his wife, Rachel, had already had, I think it was three kids at the time, they were looking for a house 
when Jackie was playing for the Brooklyn Dodgers and they couldn't find one. And eventually someone wrote an article about their difficulties in finding a house. And Rachel said that, you know, at least racism in the South, you knew where you stood. But racism in the North was people pretending that everything was fine and then subtly taking a house off the market once they found that you were interested. Stuff like that. Refusing to give you a tour of a house that was listed. So they couldn't find a house. And uh, Carly Simon's mother saw this news story and somehow got in touch with Rachel Robinson and said, come to Connecticut and meet with me. And they met. And um, Mrs. Simon said, I'm going to help you build your house if that's what you want to do up here. They had plenty of money. Think about this. He's a big league ball player making a lot of money. And so she arranged that they were able to hire an architect and go through the Chamber of Commerce and build their dream home in Stamford, Connecticut, where Jackie and Rachel Robinson and their kids would move. But while they were building that home, they didn't have a place to stay. So they stayed at the home of Richard Simon and his wife. And young Carly Simon at age 10 was among kids in her family to mingle with Jackie Robinson's kids and learn baseball in the backyard. And Jackie would, would hit them fly balls with a tennis racket and a tennis ball and teach them how to, how to catch fly balls and stuff. And she loved him. Carly, young Carly Simon loved him. He loved her. She would go to uh, Brooklyn Dodger games and they made her a special Dodgers jacket. Um, it's just really cool. And and eventually their house was ready and they moved into their house and and they stayed, the family stayed friends forever. When Carly Simon's mother passed away, Rachel Robinson said, we were more than friends. We were sisters. And I just thought that was really cool. And it made me think about, I don't know, the kind of, the kind of things that it, that it takes to just go ahead and, and help um, a family and help somebody who you think might not need any help anymore. Yeah, no, Jackie needed all kinds of help, and that family needed all kinds of help. Carly Simon recorded Take Me Out to the Ball Game. It was used on Ken Burden's baseball. We'll play a little of that right now as we head out towards a break. Chris Kamka from NBC Sports Chicago will join us in just a little bit as we get Cam connected here on The Score. the crowd buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks i don't care if i ever get back cause it's root 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 for the home team if they don't win it's a shame cause it's one two three strikes you're out at the old ball we really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.